Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England message of the week. Today, we're going to continue our series, In It to Win It. If you've been with us the past couple weeks, Pastor Eric has been leading us through this series. And today, the title of the sermon is Attention Narrowing. Attention Narrowing. Uh, how many of you have made New Year's resolutions in the past? A good amount of us? All right. How many have made New Year's resolutions this year? And you could say, I've kept with them all throughout this year. Oh, one person, all right, we got one back there, that's great. How many of us have like just faltered throughout the year? Like you haven't been keeping full with your resolutions? Okay, a few of us, I, I feel like there's a lot more than not everyone's being truthful this morning. Uh, but the reality is New Year's resolutions, it's tough to stay strong in them, right? The, the, the probability of someone walking out their New Year's resolution is often very low, and we're in the month of June, which is crazy. We're halfway through uh, 2023, so we're six months in, and we have another six months, so if you're trying to tackle those, you still got six more months to do that, uh, but in any case, our, our New Year's resolutions often don't work uh, because most of the time, or you know, a lot of the time, these goals are unrealistic. They're goals that we make are, that, that are just too far-fetched uh, for us to be able to attain uh, throughout the year, right? It's like someone saying, I've, I've never read that much since high school or since college, but this year I'm gonna read 30 books that are 300 pages each. I'm just gonna like go at it. It's like, man, that's probably not gonna work because you haven't read that much all, all, all throughout the, you know, the year before or the years prior. Um, or, or for me this year, I was like, you know, I'm gonna try getting up at 4.45, 5 o'clock every day. Man, it didn't really happen that well. It was a little bit too advantageous uh, where I realized as I went throughout the months that maybe just trying to get up 15 minutes earlier or anything, something like that you know, might help me just kind of take a step-by-step -step approach uh, to, to getting there. But our New Year's resolutions often fall flat because we make them too unrealistic. They're, they're, they're too grand for us to ever attain. And you know, it's kind of like going to the gym and you're going for the first time and you're picking up some of the biggest dumbbells that are there. Like you go to the rack and you get the biggest ones and you're trying to curl, it's, it's just not gonna work. Um, and we need to create benchmarkers in order to be in it to win it. We need to narrow down um, our attention, right? We need, to, we need to do a little bit of downsizing of our goals and focus on something a little bit more specific and a little bit more attainable than, you know, this overreaching goal that's so difficult to reach because we haven't been that disciplined to uh, even get there. And so 2 Timothy 4, uh, 6 through 8, Paul wrote these words. He said, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And there reserved for me is a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who loved his appearing. Paul wrote these words at the end of his life. He was in a prison cell and he was writing these last words. Is a letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he's saying, man, Timothy, I've fought the good fight, right? I, I finished the race, I've kept the faith, and, and, I, and now I'm ready to depart, right? I loved well, I served well, I followed Jesus well, and for maybe the dads in the room, I've been a godly father, I've been a godly grandfather, and now it's my time to pass on and, and step into eternity and, and be with my Savior forever, right? That's the end goal, and 
It's an awesome, wonderful, beautiful end goal that we could set for ourselves. But how many of you know there is a lot of track between today and you're stepping into of eternity, right? There's a lot of track, there's a lot of miles, there's a lot of space between where you're at today and that final goal when you step into heaven, right? It's nice to think about the finish line. It's, it's nice to think about, you know, being done and completing it, but it's not gonna help us be in it to win it today because I can't even just see that end goal just yet where I'm at. Right, the reality is I gotta begin to look at where I am today and, and realize like some days I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be like, this stinks. Like I don't, I don't wanna go to work, right? I don't wanna get in the car and deal with the traffic and go to work. Uh, I don't wanna keep moving. I, uh, I want a day off or, uh, for the parents, right? I don't want a parent today. I just want time alone, time to myself. Um, and, and this same mentality slips into our Christian faith, right? I, I don't wanna read my Bible today. I don't wanna pray. I don't want to discipline myself because the temptation is just getting more and more difficult and, 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 you know, I just don't want to go through it anymore like I've had it up to here with this person who's been testing me and, and I'm just about to lash out at them because I just can't restrain myself anymore. I just want to give up because I'm not feeling it today. We often have that mentality in our faith. Before you know it, you've derailed. Why? Because we didn't diligently plan our steps. The end of the story will never be written in the way you would like it to if you do not choose to dig your heels in today and take a stand for what God is asking of you today. And, and, and you won't feel in it to win it every day. No one does. That's why uh, today's sermon is so vital. In order to be in it to win it, we need to uncover this truth this morning. Um, and, and so if you turn with me to Matthew 13, uh, verses 1 through 9, I want to read that quickly. Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9. Uh, Jesus taught in a lot of parables and stories. He was an awesome storyteller. I, I love the, uh, the Gospels because of that, because there's just so many stories and images that Jesus has used. And, and uh, this is a story that he told, and we'll start in verse 3. Matthew 13, verse 3. It says, And Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell among rocky ground, where they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. A lot of my flowers look like that if I'm ever planting. Uh, but, uh, but it says, uh, but, um, and, and since they had no root, they withered away. Then in verse 7, other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, choked them, and other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, sixty, and even thirty. He who has a hear, ears, let him hear. A, a commentator wrote when looking at this passage, he said, the soil represents a wide variation. Uh, this, the soil represents a wide variation in the human response to the word, ranging from highly resistant to genuinely receptive. And so we see that in this story. And we also see that. The Christian life, it isn't uh, this race, it's, it's a marathon. Anyone could be good at the start, but not all who start well finish well. And let's quickly just look at the different types of soil that Jesus talks about. We see the path, the, those who were on the path, they, they heard the word, 
but the word never really, uh, you know, produced a root because there was just, it was a pathway. There's no dirt there. And quickly birds came and snatched it up. And that's those who hear the word never spend time to truly understand it. And it's quickly snatched up before they even start to believe in it. Then you have the rocky soil. These are people who believed in uh, Jesus. They received him with gladness, but they never grew from that. Their faith was shallow. There was no depth. So as quickly as it was received, it quickly died out. And then you have the thorns. And I think a lot of Christians are in this part of the story. And these are those that received the, the word and they grew in faith with distractions, and busyness and worries and sin drowned it out. And this is where a lot are at in the church. We unfortunately allow the thorns in our life, the busyness in our life, the things that are, are going on to affect us and we allow them to burden us and change what we're doing and how we follow Jesus. So I have a question for you this morning. Do you let your schedule dictate your relationship with Jesus? Or do you let your relationship with Jesus dictate your schedule? Do you let your schedule dictate your relationship with Jesus? Or do you let your relationship with Jesus dictate your schedules? And oftentimes that busyness is the thorns because it keeps us from what's important. And many times when life gets busy, when things start happening and there's all, all sorts of life events and situations and stuff and stress and, and worry and fear, all of a sudden we get so burdened and we allow the thorns to begin to dictate our schedule. And the first thing that often gets cut is what the word, right? Our, our, our personal time with God and that communion. And, and I say this with love this morning, but if you're going to run well, if you're trying to be in it to win it, Jesus has to be the priority. He has to be the center of your schedule, the center of your finances, the center of your goals, the center of your family. He has to be the center, and I'm thankful that my parents modeled this to me so well in my life. I remember growing up, and I did all sorts of things from baseball, and uh, you know, eventually I started doing music and whatnot with drums, and I was in the drum line in high school, and, uh, and all sorts of things. And, and the schedule often got busy, right? There was practices, there was uh, games, there was things happening throughout the week. And I remember a lot of times at the beginning, uh, you know, of the baseball season, my dad would go up to the coach and he'd say, hey, like, you know, uh, we, Josh has youth group on Wednesday night, so by 5.50-ish, 6 o'clock, you know, he's gonna take a lot of practice. And if you have games on Sunday morning, like, you know, we're not gonna be there as well because, you know, church is our priority. And in the moment, I was like, okay, this feels awkward because I've, like, 10 other teammates around me saying, oh, Josh is leaving, it's Wednesday night, he's heading to church. Uh, but as I grew in the Lord, I realized the importance of that decision my parents made where they helped me to see what the priority was in my life. It wasn't sports, and, and it wasn't that, like, you know, I was never gonna become this famous baseball athlete. I mean, maybe I would've, but, uh, but surely Wednesday night wasn't gonna keep me from being a famous athlete. Uh, but, um, but they showed me the priority of putting Jesus first in my schedule and putting Jesus first in the busyness and not letting the schedule of life and the things that are happening keep me from what God was wanting to do in my life. And if you're a parent this morning, I, I, I urge you to ask this question to yourself of who is leading your schedule? Who's planning and leading your family's schedule? And I love the, the verse that Pastor Eric ended with um, on our day of prayer and fasting, if you were there in June, uh, at the beginning of this month, Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do you let your schedule dictate your relationship with Jesus or do you let your relationship with Jesus dictate your schedule? Because man, the thorns are real. The thorns is gonna choke out your faith if you let them. And, and then we look at that fourth type of soil and that was the good soil. That, that's the, where the seed uh, you know, fell and, and it dug in deep. And that seed made Jesus the priority. And that's the seed that grew, it blossomed. They were truly in it to win it. And so how can we be in it to win it this morning? How can we be in it to win it long term? How can we make sure our hearts are good soil? And it's really in the title of the sermon this morning. We need to narrow our attention. David DeVitt wrote, people are less interested in exercise if physical activity seems daunting, which can happen when distances to be walked or ran appear quite long. These findings indicate that narrowly focusing visual attention on a specific target, like a building a few blocks ahead, rather than looking around your surroundings, makes that distance appear shorter. It helps you walk faster, and it also helps make exercising seem easier. You see, many have said, just keep your eyes on the prize, your eyes on that big goal that you're achieving, and that's not wrong, but that's not ultimately the key to be in it to win it. You see, focusing on the finish line when I'm on the first lap isn't gonna help me run well when I'm miles away from it. What's effective for runners is taking specific objects and things and looking at them and saying, I'm gonna run there, and when I get there, I'm gonna look at another one and, and run after that. I'm gonna take it step by step, uh, focusing on one thing at a time, and we have to do that in our Christian faith as well, narrowing our attention on Jesus, saying, I'm gonna get there, and once I get there, I'm gonna shift my gaze onto another thing, and, and I'm gonna continue to walk after him. We, we can't focus on anything and, and everything. And even Jesus modeled that in his life while he was here on earth. Right, he did all sorts of miracles and healings and whatnot, and, and it says in the Gospels that Jesus constantly said, my time is, is not here yet, right? He kept saying, my time is not here yet. I know I'm gonna die on the cross. I know I'm gonna resurrect from the dead, but my time is not here. I'm, I'm supposed to heal, I'm supposed to teach. I'm supposed to do these things now, and when I get to that place, because that's the ultimate goal of dying and resurrecting so those can be forgiven, then I'll accomplish, accomplish that, but he was so set in focusing on where he was at, not on where he was going to get in the long run. See, we have to realize there's victory for us this morning. There's victory for us today. There's victory that Jesus wants us to, uh, to see and experience in our lives. And one day we're gonna hit that grand victory of stepping into heaven, but we're just not there yet. There's a lot of track and there's victory that he wants us to experience now. And so how do we do that? Right? What can I do today, this week, so I could look more like Jesus. How can I truly be in it to win it every single day? I wanna talk about three quick things. I promise they'll be quick because I know you all are hungry and getting to lunch after service. Uh, but three quick things of how to narrow your attention and truly be in it to win it. Number one is fight smart. Fight smart. And what do I mean by this? Philippians uh, chapter three, verses 12 to 14. It's on the screens. But it says, not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. What's the goal that Paul is talking about here? What are we fighting for? We're fighting to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's our heavenly home. That's the ultimate goal that Paul is talking about here in this chapter, in this passage. And we realize in this life, man, I'm not gonna be perfect. I'm flawed, I, I, I know that. I, we say the wrong things, we act the wrong way, we, 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 we just do the wrong things sometimes. We're a flawed people, but that doesn't mean we roll over in defeat. It doesn't mean that we just say, all right, I already messed up, I'm just gonna roll over and, and just take this as a defeat. We gotta begin to thank God for his mercy that he sent his son that whoever believes in him will be saved. That our fight doesn't end when we receive salvation. Our fight ends when we step into heaven at the end and hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Salvation is just the start. It's the starting point. When I start running, it's not the ending point. There's a lot that God wants me to do. There's a lot that he wants me to be faithful for. And that's why Paul wrote, I make every effort to take hold of it because I have already been taken hold of by Jesus. Church, Jesus is coming back. Would we be a church that is found faithful when he returns? When he calls you home, may, may you be found faithful, may you be found fighting when he calls you home. There, there was a commentator that wrote these words. He said, don't be despondent when fighting against the incorporeal enemy. But even in the midst of your afflictions and oppression, praise the Lord, who has found you worthy to suffer for him by struggling against the subtly of the serpent and to be wounded for him at every hour. For had you not lived piously and endeavored to become united to God, the enemy would not have attacked and tormented you. And I love that end. If you hadn't acted righteously, if you hadn't acted well, the enemy wouldn't have ever attacked you. So if you're feeling attacked by the enemy in a way, that shows, man, I'm following after God because the enemy is doing what he loves to do and what he does best for himself. But we know we serve a faithful and victorious savior. And so how do I fight smart? How do I run well? You can't stop running. Runners, they're not congratulated on lap two or lap three. They're, they're congratulated when they complete the last lap and run across that, that final point. We, we can't stop running because when we stop running, we allow room for the enemy to come in and to take us off course. The Bible talks about how the devil roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. You see, when we stop running, when we stop seeking God, when we stop attending church, when we stop following the call of God that's on our lives, when, when we stop going after the things that God has set before us, all of a sudden, the enemy gets louder, his lies get louder, uh, the distractions get louder in our life. If we want to fight well, we cannot stop moving. Just like when you go to the gym, forward motion is, 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 is the only thing that helps you get to where you wanna go. And if you go to the gym for months and months and you lose weight, you, you, know, you gain muscle, but all of a sudden you stop going to the gym for two or three months, what's gonna happen? You're not detracting your muscle by like, you know, doing other exercises that are not helping you, but you're just stopped moving. And when you stop moving, you start going back and losing all the muscle you started building up. And the same thing is in our faith. If we wanna fight well, we can't stop moving. We, we, we must keep going. 
And we can't lose back, uh, look backwards. That's what Paul was talking about in the past that we just read a few moments ago. You see, the enemy loves to use your past to derail you. He loves to have you look back. And that's why Paul said, forgetting what is behind, I press forward. In order for you to run well, maybe there's some forgiveness that you gotta start walking out and over those that have hurt you in your younger years. Maybe there's some forgiveness you gotta start relying on Jesus to help you with so you can set down those burdens that the enemy is trying to put back on you because you're not forgetting what God has already covered in his blood. And maybe it's even sin or shame that you're just holding onto and you can't run well because you're holding onto what the enemy is, is saying, man, this is what you were, this is what you did, this is what happened, this is uh, how you looked. And he keeps calling you by the wrong things that you've done, but, but God is saying, man, you gotta forget what's behind and realize I've already given you a new name. I'm already calling you son and daughter. And I loved what Pastor James was saying as we, we were ending worship that God looks at us and say, man, this is the best person. Like I love uh, you know, this child, like I love this person. I can see them doing great things if they would just only forget what's behind them, rely on me. And I love in the quote, it said, but even in the midst of your afflictions and oppression, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord who has found you worthy to suffer for him. In the midst of your struggle, Right, as you run, you, you gotta sometimes take a moment to praise, right? Because there's gonna be circumstances that come in. There's gonna be uh, things that happen at your work or in your family, and, and you just gotta begin to praise because what happens when you praise? You invite the presence of the Lord into that very situation that you're going through. Just calling out upon the name of Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need you here. I worship you, I praise you. And all of a sudden, like it says in the Psalms, he inhabits the praises of his people. God's presence invades the very situations that you're walking in. And he begins to lift off any heaviness or weariness or things that you're walking in. In order to fight smart, we need to recognize the power of praise. That when we put on that garment of praise and we put off that, that weariness and we put off that old name and we put off all the things that are on us and we say, I praise you, Lord, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you, Lord, that I'm new and, and, and I've been called forward and I've been called out of what I was. We begin to see that victory will soon follow after us. We have to fight smart. And the second thing we need to do is focus sharp. Hebrews 12, one through two, it says, therefore, since we, have, uh, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, fixing our eyes on Jesus. In the Greek language, when Paul is saying fixing your eyes on Jesus, what he's really saying is looking away to, looking away to. Paul is saying deliberately take your focus on the circumstances that, are you, that you're walking in. Just like we were saying a moment ago, fixing your eyes on Jesus is, is deliberately you know, taking your eyes off the struggle and putting them on Jesus. Jesus went through all types of suffering while he was here on the earth. But Jesus didn't focus on his suffering. He looked at the greater goal. He looked at the things that God was asking him to do every single day, which was bringing his grace and uniting humanity with God once again. 
the goal was to remove the barrier of sin's penalty so that men and women could be forgiven. That's what Jesus was focused on every single day, even when the enemy was coming to attack him. His eyes weren't on the problem. His eyes were on the fixture of the issues. And in the same ways, we have to take our eyes off the problems and put them on Jesus. Right? Too many times our, our eyes are on the problem. Right? When I ask people how you're doing, I usually receive two answers. Either it's good, one word, good, or the other side is all of a sudden they start spewing out all the hard things that they're walking through. Right? The dishwasher broke. My boss is going crazy at work. Uh, you, know, I can't, you can't believe what my in-laws just told me. Uh, you know, I'm walking through this situation. My car is breaking down. You, know, you either hear one word, I'm good, or all the bad problems that they're walking through. And, and I'm not saying, you know, it's wrong to do that. I'm, I'm Italian. I love seeing problems. You know, even, even in staff, we have a lot of Italians on our staff. And we're like, oh, man, can you believe what happened to me yesterday? I was driving. And this person, can you believe that, man? I love talking about problems. But, but hear me, we are people who are called to be of faith. People that are standing up and saying, man, I'm going to look and focus at Jesus. Because, hey, we're going to be more than willing to talk about problems, but we have to look more at the one who can fix our problems than the problem itself. We, we hyper-focus on all the wrong things in life. And a commentator wrote, are you facing a superheated furnace? What God wants you to do, what God wants for you, is to look full in the face at Jesus. Get your focus off whatever it is that appears to be unanswered and focus on Jesus. Get your eyes off of what is unanswered and focus on Jesus. And I'm all for being realistic. I'm a realistic person, but, but we're to be people of faith in every situation. And in order to be in it, to win it, we have to be you know, sharpening our focus. And this is a vital part. Has anyone been to the eye doctor? In the past, just a, there's got to be more people. Have you been to the eye doctor in the past? All right, so we got a good amount of people who've been. Maybe some of you fathers are stepping into your older years. And you're like, all right, I got to hit the eye doctor and get this situated because I can't read the books or the Bible or the Facebook, or whatever I'm looking at. Um, but uh, but you know, I've I've been going to the eye, eye doctor for years. Uh, I've had you know bad vision since I think it was like seven or so, and uh, and. Um, when you go to the eye doctor, uh, the, the optometrist is really trying to find the best prescription for you so that you could see correctly. So when you look at a book in front of you, you can read it. Or when you look ahead of you at the road, you can see it and there's no blurriness. That's the objective, right? And so they'll sit you down and they'll have that huge machine. I don't know what it's called, but uh, it has you know, all the lenses inside of it. And you'll be looking ahead at uh, the paper head and you're, you're looking at all the letters that are there. And they're trying to help you see those letters clearly. Reading the A, Z, Q, F. In the beginning, you're like, I can't read any of it. And they start adjusting all the, the lenses. And, and slowly, it starts to get better. Like, do you like this lens better or do you like this one? And when they ask me that question, I'm like, I don't know. I can't tell which one I like better. Uh, you tell me. But, um, but, uh, but they're shifting through them. And finally, you get to the right lens. And you can read that whole chart from top like the huge letters on top and to the smallest letters on the bottom. And we need to do the same thing in our lives, right? The reality of sin and issues and difficult 
circumstances like losing a job or financial stress or relational discords cause our vision to get tremendously blurry and we can't focus clearly on Jesus. And the problems of life and our sins cause our vision to get a little bit blurry and that's why we need to, just like we go to the eye doctor, we need to put on a fresh pair of glasses to throw the old ones out so that we can see Jesus more clearly and we can push away that blurriness of the problems and we can focus in on Jesus. And I'm not saying to avoid all the stuff that's happening because we all have issues that we need to work on in our lives, right? We can be angry, we can be prideful, we can be short-tempered. We can go through difficult circumstances and I'm not talking about avoidance, but what I am saying is when you sharpen your focus on Jesus, you will be able to stand strong amongst the raging battles. When I, when I have my glasses on, it doesn't mean my vision's perfect because if I take them off, it's impaired. I can't see well. But every time I have my glasses on, I can see clearly and I can drive and I could look forward and I could read this, the TV in the back. Like I can see everything clearly. And the same is with Jesus. When I focus on him, it doesn't mean all the problems are gone. They don't just dissolve, but, but, but it means I'm focusing on the one who is able to give me victory over the issues that I'm walking in every single day. He's the one who's able to bless me financially, so, so, so I focus on Jesus. He's the one who can free me from the addiction that I'm walking through, so I focus on Jesus. He's the one that could repair my marriage, so I focus on Jesus. He's the one who will get me and bring me that promotion, so I focus on Jesus. He's the one who can um, you know, bring uh, me and, and a spouse that I've been waiting for if you're single today, so, so, so I focus on Jesus. He's the one who can bring salvation to my son or my daughter who's lost and has gone astray, so I focus on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. If we're gonna be in it to win it, we have to focus on Jesus. And God doesn't want us to try to solve all the problems of our life on our own. He's saying, look at me, focus on me. I wanna help you, but, but I can't help you until you're fully focusing on me. I can't help you until, like it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, it says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I can't help you until you come to me and give me the burdens that you're walking through. When I'm, when I'm uh, not focusing on Jesus, it's like walking around without my glasses. But when I put Jesus on, I'm able to see more clearly and walk forward every single day and experience that victory in my immediate uh, future. And maybe the reason you have not been able to be victorious is because you've been focusing on all the problems instead of focusing fully on Jesus. And you're just constantly talking and complaining about the problem. And today Jesus is saying, man, look at me. Invite me into the situations that you're going through. Invite me and ask me to stand with you and help you battle through and walk through. And, and some of those problems are because of our own causes. Like we're the ones who cause them. And, and all the more, call out on Jesus for that grace to help you uh, get, uh, move forward. And so three ways, we have to narrow our attention. Uh, secondly, um, I'm sorry, we have to fight smart, we have to focus sharp, and thirdly, we need to finish strong. We need to finish strong. Philippians 2, 14 through 16, it says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. 
Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not labor in vain. Hold firmly to the word of life. Hold firmly to the word of life so that you will not labor in vain. And on the day that Christ comes, you'll receive that prize. Paul is saying here, be consistent. Be consistent. Good runners are consistent. Good runners keep putting one foot in front of the other. Good runners endure. And, and, and uh, William Barclay wrote, endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. I promise if you choose to focus on Jesus, if you choose to prioritize Jesus, and you choose, hey, I'm gonna remove the thorns in my life uh, so that I can be victorious. And if you choose to do these things, God is gonna move on your behalf. And I'll add this too, sometimes victory isn't the thing we exactly wanted. You know, the victory that we want isn't always how uh, it's, gonna, it's gonna look in the end. Sometimes Jesus is something completely different than we perceive or suspect. And it's important just to surrender to him and say, God, I need your help. You do with me what you will. You move through me how you will. And at the end of it all, we will be able to give God glory for what has been done in our lives. Church, I know some of you are going through hard moments, hard times, but endurance is key. Don't stagger in your commitment to Christ. Don't stagger in your faith. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Just like we saw in that parable at the beginning, allow God's word to go into your heart and go down deep so that it can produce this strong uh, fruit or this tree, this strong tree. Don't allow the circumstances of life to drown it out. And there will be victory. And we'll return as we close just to the words of Eric Little as Pastor Eric's been reading these as we've gone through this series. Eric Little said, each one of us in a greater, is in a greater race than I have run in Paris. And this race ends when God gives out the medals. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. I want you just to imagine for a second the end of the race. You see Jesus face to face, standing at the gates. You're like, man, I'm here, I made it. And you hear him call out your name, and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. That's a day that's coming. That's a day that's coming for each one of us. But I'm reminding you today, there is a lot of race left. There is a lot of track left before we we get there. there. There's a lot left to do, and you all can open your eyes now, but there, there, there's a lot left uh, th to do in, in, in this world, in this life. We must continue to look forward, not back, and, and look fully at Jesus and be consistent in the fight that is in front of us today. And one of the most impactful things that I did uh, in, in college was I made this timeline of my life, and, and uh, we had to do it for a class assignment, and, and I plotted out things that happened. And at first I was like, okay, this sounds like a tedious assignment. But at the end of it, I was like, man, I, I see the importance of this. 
that, that, I, that, that, that now I look at this, uh, this timeline from, uh, from a bird's eye view and I'm like, man, God did this and he moved this way and he took this person out of my life and brought this one in and he brought this financial need when I, when I needed it. And I began to see how God moved and it built my faith in that moment to say, hey, if God did that then, he's gonna continue today. If God brought me to victory then, he's gonna continue today. And it caused me to look forward and say, hey, I, I want to keep moving forward and keep watching God do what he does best. And just like runners, as we continue that, that, that analogy of running that race, and we're thinking, you know, of those runners, and in their minds, they're not saying, you know, I'm thinking about the end of the race. They're putting little mile, mile markers one step at a time. I'm going to get to that end of the building. And once I get to that turn, I'm going to look forward and I'm going to get to the next turn. And they would take it step by step as they ran the race. And we got to do the same thing in our life. Jesus helped me get through this quarter at work. And when I get to the next one, I'm going to be faithful then too, but I'm committing this quarter to you. Right, Jesus, help me not to be defeated in this controlling sin. I'm going to give you this week. And now I'm going to get to next week, and I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to give you another week. And pretty soon you're going to see week after week after week after week of just being free from whatever is holding you captive. Right, or, or, or maybe it's something, that this angry spirit in you, and you're saying, man, I'm going to give God today to be a loving person. I'm going to commit to that today, and I'm going to commit again tomorrow. We have to keep our, our focus sharpened. We can't focus on day a thousand on, on, on day one. We gotta focus on Jesus of what's in front of us so that we can be in it to win it, so that we can finish well. Let's put mile markers in our life. Let's focus on what Jesus is wanting us to, not on what's behind, not on the issues that are in our way right now, but putting those glasses on and fully focusing on Jesus and how he is gonna bring us forward. So Bethel, are you in it to win it this morning? If you're in it to win it today, I want you to stand with me this morning. And I want just, let's just begin to give God some praise in the house. Let's begin to just worship him. Come on, let's begin to sing out and, and speak out praise to the Lord. Lord, we thank you today, Father. We thank you that your word is true, God. That your word is true, God. That we can live a victorious life. Lord, that we can be victorious in the sins of, the, of, the sins of, of this life and in the worries and in the fears and in the hardships and in the situations and in the financial difficulties and in the stress and in the relational difficulties. Lord, we know there is so much happening, Lord, so much happening in our lives and in the things we go through Sunday to Saturday, God. There's so much we walk through, but Lord, we just put you on today, Lord. We narrow our attention on you, Lord, saying that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. You are the one that goes before us and you are the one that's gonna give us victory and you're the one who's gonna get glory for that victory. And so we just, we, we worship you today, Father. We realize, God, that you're behind us, you're with us right now, and you're before us, Father God. You're all around us like a shield, Lord, that is fully encircling us. And we thank you, God, for the victory that we will have through your your spirit, Lord. We thank you for the victory that we will have through you, and we submit our hearts, we submit our minds to you this morning, Lord. I want you to say that with me. I am in it to win it. Let's do it a little bit better. I am in it to win it. One more time. I am in it to win it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So as we close this service this morning, I just invite the altar uh, team, uh, the altar team up to the altars. 
And the way I want to close is Pastor Noah is going to lead us in some worship. But if today you're like, man, this, this was speaking to me, this message was, was speaking to me, and there's some areas that I need prayer for, I encourage you, make your way up to the altar and receive prayer. And I want you to come up with those specific things, the specific needs. And when you come up, I want you to tell whichever person you get to at this altar and say, man, I'm going through this. This is what I need the Lord to move in. This is the area that I need victory over. This is the area that I need God to, 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 to move in. And just tell them and allow them to pray specifically, targeted prayers. And don't, don't just come up and say, I want prayer. Come up with specific things that you are relying on the Holy Spirit for because only God can bring the victory. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna worship. Lord, we submit our lives to you, God. We recognize that it's only by you, Lord. It's not by might, it's not by strength, but it's by your spirit, Lord. It's not in anything that we can do, uh, but it's only in the things that you can do. And so we submit our hearts to you, we submit our lives to you, and I pray, God, at these altars this morning, there would be chains broken off, there, there, there would be victory um, set in place for us, God, and that even this week, even this afternoon, as we go to lunch and as we go to spend the, the rest of our Sunday, we would feel your resurrection power residing in us. And so, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So come to the altar if you would like Thanks for listening to the Bethel New England message of the week. Make sure you share this message with a friend or family member to encourage them today. Head to BethelNE.com to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel New England.